Thanks, Chris. That, I did not tell him what my talk was going to be on, and he just basically gave you an intro. So thank you for that, Chris. Uh, before we get into it, I do have one other announcement. I do have a set of keys that I'm holding ransom that somebody left on the table. There's a special key on there, so if they are yours, you just let me know, and I've got them, and I will give them to you after the service. Um, all right, well, my name is Tony D'Amico, and I'm one of the eight pastors here at The Rock. Um, and tonight, we get to talk about one of the greatest gifts, the most significant responsibility ever given to us. Not only is it one of the greatest gifts, but it is one of the most extremely to navigate. And tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to have a Christ-centered marriage. And right off the bat, I have this quote by Francis Chan. I really like this. It says, marriage is one of the most humbling, sanctifying journeys you will ever be part of. Amen. And I know not everyone in this room is married, but honestly, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about from the relational aspect, you can apply that to any relationship in your life. And most of you have a mother, most likely, or roommates, or anybody around you where you got, you are constantly in communication. And so these are those things where you can learn to be empathetic and learn how to communicate with them. Um, but this is also really good training ground for you for when you do get married. One thing I do want to mention that I am not a marriage expert. I'm not a, an expert on all marriages, but God calls me to be an expert in my own marriage as he does call each of you to be an expert in your own marriage. We're all different. We're all designed differently. Christ looks at us and says, you have a different personality than this person and all of our spouses do. So each of us have these like little nucleuses that are all different. And so you are called to be this expert in your own marriage. And just know if your marriage is in a bad spot, please don't feel like you are alone in this. Reach out to one of the pastors, reach out to a small group leader um, and seek out that help. And also we have partnered with the Center for Christian Therapy and want to get you connected if it needs to get to that level. We highly value marriage here at The Rock. So please don't ever feel like you are trapped and you are alone in your marriage. Uh, marriage is a hot topic. <laughs> There's so much information about marriage out there. And I was just like, hey, I've been married for 20 years. How many books have been released on marriage in the last 20 years? I tried to find it. It was like literally impossible. So I was like, oh, let's just go to Amazon and look what they've got. Books on marriage. There was over 10,000 results. That doesn't mean that that's how many there are. There's actually a lot more than 10,000. And I even looked at what was the last 90 days. It was 2,000 books released on marriage. So this is a hot topic and we need to know what the Bible says about this. Statistically, 50% of marriages end in divorce. The average length of a marriage is only eight years before divorce happens. 75% of marriages end because of lack of commitment next to infidelity at 60%. One thing Satan does, he wants to get in and destroy marriages because he knows that a healthy marriage, one that is God-centered, and focus on what the Lord has for them can do great things. And so he's going to find every little way to get in there. And one of the keys that I was finding, like even like doing research on the stats and talking with other people and even talking with my wife is like, what are the biggest things? And it was like finding this lack of communication, this lack of empathy, lack of emotion connection that we always strive for in the beginning of our marriages when we're trying to pursue our wife 
Those are the things that we're really holding on to, and then it slips away. So just a personal introduction. Here is me and my wife, Shannon, at the age of 23, I think. Um, and I am not smiling in any of these photos, apparently. I was looking through all my engagement photos. I was like, oh, man, that's not good. Um, but I did meet Shannon in high school. Um, so as even Chris mentioned, that 2%. But I would say we weren't high school sweethearts at all. We had a very dysfunctional relationship. And only by the grace of God that we are even still together today. Um, and here's where we are now. This is me with Shannon and my two boys, Leo and Gianni. And so again, Chris connection tonight. I love San Diego. This picture was taken our 20th anniversary um, this year when we were out in San Diego. And so in a, one just side note, everything I talk about tonight has been Shannon approved, just by the way, so I'm not giving you any secrets that she would be like, why did you say that? I ran everything by her. So men, you are called to be spiritual leaders within your marriage. You need to be guiding your family, your wife with wisdom, faith, and humility. You are called to actively listen, communicate, openly communicate, and address conflict with empathy and grace. You know, men who prioritize their wife's well-being and nurture the bond that they have through shared experiences and spiritual growth have a more strengthened marriage than those who don't. And so tonight, men, this is our time to look at ourselves and take stock in how we are doing and applying these things to our life and how we're leading our wives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight that we can come together and just learn about what you have for us in marriage. Thank you for those who are married that we can understand our wives are a gift to us. Those who are not married and who plan on getting married or desire to get married, Lord, I just pray that you bring them the right spouse. And Lord, for anybody else who is in this room, just give them something they can glean from in terms of what it means to be in a healthy relationship. And these things we pray, amen. All right, so before we get into anything else, really, we need to understand what that foundation of marriage is. And so we're going to start here. There's a couple of verses that the Bible gives us that are really, really important. Because this biblical perspective on marriage, it is very sacred. This is a divine design. It is not something that just willy-nilly came up in, in our, our world as people. And the two key passages are Genesis 2.24 and Ephesians 5. And these provide very profound insight on this perspective. We'll start with Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they become one flesh. This verse highlights this covenant relationship where two individuals, one man and one woman, come together. They leave their families, and they form a new union, which is marriage. It signifies this leaving of the parent's household and becoming their own family unit. So when Shannon and I got married, we pulled ourselves from our parents' care, and now we have created this one new unit. And we could do a whole other talk of what it means to deal with in-laws after you get married. We're not focusing on that tonight. So in a biblical sense, a husband and a wife get married, and there's one thing that they do, which is this physical expression of becoming one flesh. This act of this sexual expression is to be honored, protected, and remain just between the two of you. Do not let adultery get in between the two of you. And God is very clear about what it means if it does. And just as we saw, the second most reason for divorce is infidelity. I even think lack of commitment and infidelity really are tied together. And Hebrews 13, 4, 
It says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Your wife is given to you as this gift and you are there to protect her and she is there to protect you. You create this one little unit and that is it. There is no one else coming in there. And this is a very cool thing because you get to share life together with somebody on the most intimate level that you can. There's no one else that can do, you can do that with besides Jesus. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, 12, and Titus 1, 6, these are some also verses around that you can look at in terms of what it means to be, um, what, have one wife in leadership. So, and then with this union, what comes from that? Children. And a child is a result of those two flesh becoming one. And you actually, it's a physical representation of a man and a woman coming together and having one child, which is one flesh. And then when we talk about two people becoming one in the bedroom, we're talking about caring for each other's needs as well as loving and consenting. It's about treating each other right and finding joy in each other. And the Song of Solomon paints a pretty picture of what God had in mind for that physical intimacy in marriage. This idea of oneness is what a lot of people get excited about, especially in this room. But this is not what it, that is not the only part of what it means to be one flesh. It goes way beyond our physical bodies and it has to be with every part of our existence. So when the Bible talks about being one flesh, it's not just about the physical stuff. It's about being unified in every aspect of our marriage. And you name it, that's emotionally, intellectually, financially, spiritually, and recreationally. You are in it together. You're like two pieces of a puzzle that fit perfectly together and balance each other out. And then Ephesians 5, 25, for husbands, this means that you love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. That verse is pretty heavy if you think about that because it's saying, husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church, that he gave his life up for her. When we think about that, that calling, that is a lot. That is a heavy, heavy task. And then when people say, oh, marriage is 50-50, I don't buy it. We don't look at our relationship with God and say, oh, hey, God, meet me in the middle, 50-50 on this. He is there covering us, protecting us, being gracious with us, loving us. He's in it with us, and he understands us. It underscores the sacrificial, selfless, and unconditional nature that a husband needs to have within their marriage, just as Christ gave up himself for the church. Husbands, you are called to love your wives in a sacrificial and nurturing way. And there's just like, I have like the dumbest examples for this, but... It's like I can come home from work and just be like, I am so stressed and so tired. And then Shannon looks at me and says, so am I, and I don't want to cook dinner. And I can look at her and say, you know what? My day was way more stressful than yours. Let's, uh, let's go to toe-to-toe on this, and that's not, that's not what we should do. So I look at her and say, you know what? Let's, let me make dinner for you, even though I'm in the same boat. And I'm not going to tell her, I'm so stressed too, I don't want to make dinner. Or let's go out and get takeout. And then the flip side of that happens. When I'm serving my wife in that context, she looks at me and says, oh, you've had a bad week. I'm going to help you out with whatever it is, like mowing the lawn. And we start doing those little things for each other. They just start to add up. And here's the thing. Don't keep accounts on that. That's one thing that will destroy your marriage. Like, well, I made dinner this week, and I mowed the lawn, and I shoveled the walkway because it snowed. And what did you do this week? And you're just going to look at your wife, and she's going to just feel like garbage. We never keep accounts in our marriage. That is one thing that we always talk about, that we do things because we love each other and we're not going to keep track of that. Because every month, every year, every day, it's different, right? 
It could be a season of different health issues or kids or work, and the list goes on. But we're there to help cover our wives and be there with them. The idea here, men, is don't wait for your wives to ask you to serve them. Actively seek out ways that you can serve them. And these verses, they really point out these three main things here. It's your covenant, covenantal commitment. Marriage is seen as a sacred covenant and a lifelong commitment between two individuals. You're leaving your former life behind and creating a new unit. Selfless love. Ephesians 5.25 emphasizes that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ has loved the church. This love is characterized by selflessness, sacrificial action, and an unwavering commitment to the well-being of your spouse. Mutual respect and partnership. A biblical perspective on marriage teaches mutual respect, partnership, and shared journey in our faith. Both spouses are called to honor and support each other in their individual roles in the marriage. And we've got a whole bunch of teachings on what those gender roles are in marriage, and you can look those up um, on our website. You can continue learning more and more. Because as a, as a husband, we should always be learning how to serve our wives better and how that we can be better husbands in our marriage. The biblical perspective on marriage is outlined in Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5, highlights that sacredness of this union. Understanding and embracing these principles provide the strong foundation that you need for building and nurturing a lasting and thriving relationship. Okay, so what does it mean to love your wife? Now we have this foundation set, we can get into some of these additional details. And Ephesians 5 actually has a really good outline. We're just going to hit some of these verses. And in 525, 28 through 29 and 33, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. I know some of you are going to say, well, what about the wives submit your husband verses in here? Well, there's no ladies in here tonight, so we're just focusing on what it says about us. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and Christ gave himself up for the church. Again, this is a pretty scary calling, considering if you look at your own life, your own sin, your thoughts, your actions, and Christ still loves you, do you look at your wife that same way? Like, when she sins against you, you're just like, oh, well, that's it. I'm just going to be angry at her. Or she has, she has something dumb and you're just you're so angry at her. You got to think about how does God work in that with forgiveness, with empathy and understanding? How much do you give up for your wife? Think about that for a minute. This isn't something, again, you need to keep tabs on, but it's just good to check in with ourselves. How often do you give up the needs, the desires of your time, your hobbies to be with your wife? Christ died a very painful death, and this correlation here is very heavy. How often do you get frustrated when you sit down, maybe watch a football game, and then your wife's just like, I just need some attention right now. I have this thing I need to get off my chest and talk to you about. Do you get frustrated, or do you jump into action and, and sit down and turn off the TV and actually look at her and have a conversation? Some of those like, little dumb ones for me is, every time we get into bed, it seems like my wife's like, hey, did you lock the doors? And I'm like, oh, geez. And that's code for, I know they're not locked. <laughs> Can you just get up and lock them? And I do it. 
and not saying that is exactly the same thing as Christ covering um, for us, but those little things like that, they start to add up. And it's like, are we doing just the little sacrifices on a daily basis that shows our wives that we love them? Love our wives as their own bodies because no one hates their own flesh, right? Do you hate yourself? Every man in this room probably says, I don't hate myself. We are called to love our wives as much as we love our own bodies. And think of it this way. If you love your wife, you're really loving yourself. That's a win-win. You're looking out for her, and in doing so, you're actually looking out for yourself. It's like when you're hungry, you don't think twice about getting up and grabbing a slice of pizza. In the same way, when your wife needs something, whether it's emotional support, a listening ear, or just some help around the house, you should be jumping in without a second thought. Nourish and cherishes. Now let's talk about the nourishing and cherishing part. This is not just about making sure our wives are fed and safe. That is true and we should, but this goes so much deeper than that. This is nourishing and helping them grow in their dreams and their passions and their faith. It's also about being their biggest fan and their partner in crime. It's about nourishing their souls. Cherishing, on the other hand, is about showing them they're valued. It's the little things, a compliment, a thank you, a surprise date night, or just a moment to ask, how was your day, and really listen. You know, a lot of times, like, you can give a compliment to your wife, and you don't do it very kindly. <laughs> I, I find myself doing that sometimes, too, like, oh, yeah, thanks for dinner, and then just kind of move along. And it's like, well, she was like, oh, well, I was hoping for a little bit better reaction. And it's not about the compliment. It's actually about how you made her feel on the compliment. And that's just with anything in life. And we actually, people remember how we made them feel, not about what we said. And so in that, we need to understand what it means to be empathetic and lead with that grace and understanding. I have a quick video that I want to play. And some of you guys have probably seen this. Brian even mentioned that um, this was played at the Mental Health Matters. And this is just a great little clip on um, empathy and understanding. And it's by Brene Brown. And the big takeaway from that, we say that we love or we need to treat our wives as ourself. When we have that mutual connection and we have to have those same understanding and feelings that each of us can have. And it's not about just fixing it. We, there's the, the other video, um, even Chris shared this with me earlier, it was the, the nail and the forehead, right? You guys have all seen that video. And how much of it is like as men that we just like to try to solve our wife's problems or solve the problems around us instead of just sitting and listening and being and understanding and connecting on that level. Learning to be more empathetic leads to both nourishing and cherishing your wife. Learning to see things from her perspective and not just as you want her to see yours. This is understanding is key to having a deeper emotional connection. Being empathetic means being attuned to your wife's emotional needs in times of stress and sadness even joy, your empathetic presence can provide so much comfort and reassurance to your wife. Empathy is a reflection of Christ's love and compassion in a way to live out all the principles of love, kindness, and understanding that are central to Jesus' teaching. Are you nourishing your wife's mind and soul through an emotional connection that she feels accepted, trusted, and loved by you? So how can we take all that and wrap that up into some application? What can we do to nurture our marriages? 
First one is communication. And I believe this is the biggest. And I think this is one of the things that, as I've been married for 20 years, but I've known Shannon since I've been 15, I don't know that math. Let's see, 1995 is when I met Shannon. Communication has been our biggest struggle. It's been the one thing that we've had to constantly work at because as we get older, we learn to communicate differently. We have different types of communication. And are you taking that time to have the open conversations with your wife, with all aspects of her life, and letting her talk about her dreams and her plans and her challenges? Are you praying together with her regularly? Are you seeking God's guidance and wisdom for your marriage by actively engaging in communication and spiritual connection? One of the things that Shannon and I learned in a marriage conference, um, and I can't remember who's this one, but I think it was from Pat Sokol, um, and he was talking about how when you're really feeling something, instead of just kind of like throwing it out there, is saying, can I share my heart with you? And that's been a huge win for us because then I know, okay, lock in, let's focus, like move away everything else that's in my brain and sit and focus on what Shannon has to say and vice versa. It gives me that opportunity to do the same with her. And it's been a really, really good thing. This open line of communication builds to oneness. So communication, it's a big deal. You set a time aside a time to speak to your wife outside of the chaos of your guys' lives. Not just to ask her how her day has gone, but what can you actually pray for her and what can you guys talk about? Give space for this as much as you can. Recreation, this is a great one. Do you know what your wife likes to do for fun? And vice versa, does she know what you like to do for fun? Do you lock your family out as a man? You're just like, I, I, I have my hobbies. I like to golf. I like to do uh, whatever it is, but it's not really with my family. I have my hobbies that I do, and then they've got their things that they do on their own. And recently, uh, just when we went to San Diego for anniversary, and I was renting a car, and the guy at the counter was like, hey, uh, what are you here for? And I was like, well, we're here on our anniversary, and we're going surfing. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. Your wife is letting you go surfing on your anniversary trip. And I kind of chuckled. And I was like, actually, it's my wife's idea, and I'm going surfing. We're both going surfing. And he says, oh, that's really cool that you guys, like, have something in common. And he's like, this guy's in his late 60s. He's like, both of our kids are out of the house. We have nothing in common. So now the kids are gone. We don't even do anything together. And I was really sad to hear that. And he's like, and that's actually what a lot of people say when they come down here to San Diego. They're all doing their own things. That was sad. It really made me sad to hear that. And I told him, I was like, you got to get something to do with your wife. You guys need to connect on that level. And so can you actually write down something that you and your wife like to do? Uh, for us, it really is it's board sports. We skateboard together. We snowboard together. We surf together. Those are like the big things. And traveling to the same areas, we both love Southern California. San Diego is one of our favorite places to go. We love Disneyland. We go to Disneyland together all the time. <laughs> And so it's one of those things where you can bring your family into it and make them enjoy it even better. So remember, nurturing your marriage also involves finding joy in those opportunities. What are those things that you can share in and create together? You know, another like random thing is like my wife loves bone china and she's, you know, not 70 years old yet, but it seems like you would think that if you came into our house and saw her china collection, it is very large. And it's one of those things that I can't stand that stuff. It is not my thing. I'm a designer. I like things nice and clean, stackable, and those things are not like that. But I've learned to love it, and I've learned to go to estate sales and thrift stores. I can tell you what kind of cups 
um, are cheap, which ones are expensive. I can tell you which ones are made in Japan, USSR, which ones are made in England. And yes, I did say USSR because that was before Russia, and there's a lot of them out there, and they're really cool cups. But I've learned to enjoy that with my wife, and it is something that we do together. Finances. Do you discuss this with your wife? Or do you keep money to yourself and you just kind of say, here's the budget, spend your money this way. And you know what? Sometimes that is fine. Like there are some people that is how they like to do their, their budgets. But ultimately there's this conversation that needs to be had around money. Like what are you saving for? What are, what are your retirement goals? Are you bringing your wife into those conversations? And some of our wives are actually better at finances than we are. And so like working together as a team and ultimately at the end of the day, you are responsible for your finances and your family. And so if you're bringing your wife in on that and she's the one leading it, you just need to be also available and understand what's going on there. Um, just a, a couple that was close to me, I found out that, um, well, we were just having some conversations around their marriage and found that they had separate accounts. And I'm like, you guys have been married for how long? And this was a major stress on them because it was, well, he's not pulling his weight here and she's not pulling her weight here and I keep paying for all these additional things and they've got all this debt and they're just doing all these things and then to find out that one of them was opening up credit cards in the other person's name. It's detrimental to marriages. When we keep that financial information to ourselves, it is not a good thing. There's a lack of trust that happens in those situations. And so whether... You figure out where your strengths lie in your finances, but there should constantly be a conversation around what's going on, where the money's being spent, how the budget is going, because these little conversations help build up your relationship. Do you have a weekly or regular conversation around your budget, your savings goals, what it looks like for vacations? Physical intimacy. Without connecting with your wife on all these other topics, it's really hard to connect here. That's the one thing that I found out in my 20 years of marriage. Pat and Cindy Sokol, again, I love those guys. They did a really good marriage conference. And another one, it was like talking about um, women's brains are like spaghetti bowls and men's are like egg cartons. We can easily compartmentalize our thoughts and our, our lives. Like we have our work life and we have our home life and we have our sex life and we have our friends and, and whatnot. But women's, it's all just like this, right? Everything is just all over. It's like a spaghetti bowl. They need that emotional connection to help connect on that physical level. The bond and trust of emotion connection is the key to opening up in those areas. If you guys want better physical intimacy, I'm telling you, the best way to do that is connecting on that emotional level beforehand. With all these things, again, communication is here. Connect on your desires in this area. Are you even scheduling time to be physically intimate together? And then finally, spiritual. This connection here is one of the biggest. Becoming a spiritual leader in your marriage is profound responsibility and an essential component of Christ-centered relationship. You as a spiritual leader of your marriage need to ensure that your wife is being fed spiritually, that you are setting aside time for prayer, both individually and together as a couple, seeking God's, God's guidance and having your own study time together, but also coming together and having conversations around what each other are learning because that extends even further into your children's lives. And when your children are seeing your, your wife doing that and you doing it, it just becomes a thing that they see happening and that becomes a legacy thing. Becoming a spiritual leader in your marriage is profound, is far-reaching, has far-reaching implications. It involves prayer, 
Bible study, spiritual growth, supporting your spouse's faith journey as well, cultivating that legacy. So these are a couple things that you can do. And there no, this is not the only list, but this is some that I have learned that I'd love to share with you guys with those, those five. So in conclusion, the key points here, to make our marriages better, this is something that your wife cannot fix. She can't help, but ultimately, this is you. You need to step up. This is something that takes work. It's not something that's easy. C.S. Lewis says, marriage is a long-term maintenance of love, not just discovery of it. Once you get married, it's not like, okay, everything's good. We're just going to cruise. We've talked about the sacred covenant of marriage. We've talked about the ideas of how we can love our wife, and we had some application around that. So we leave here tonight. I challenge each of you to take these words to heart. Reflect on your marriage. Are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Are you nourishing and cherishing her? Are you leading spiritually with love and grace? Remember, it's those small acts. The more and more you do, they just start building and they're compounding. And all those things lead to a lasting marriage. It's a daily decision to listen and to understand and support and lead. It's about being present in the little moments to make up that tapestry of your life together. So remember, for those who are not married, these principles still hold true when you are even just dealing with people and how to have that idea around emotional connection and empathy. And if you're struggling, remember that you are not alone. Please reach out, seek counsel, and fight for your marriage. God is with us, and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. All right, let's pray, and then we've got some discussion questions that we can all go over. All right, Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you just for that representation of what marriage is and how you want us to lead through marriage. Thank you for all the examples in this church that you've given us. Um, and Lord, we just ask that as we go through our lives that we can just find one thing from tonight that we can apply to our life to make our marriage better. And Lord, I just pray for even for our discussion time that we can um, be open with our brothers next to us and have the conversations and talk about the hard things. We commit our night to you. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs>